silence. God breathed silence. When our life is consumed by doing the right thing, sometimes we forget who we're doing the right things for. When we give ourselves to the Spirit's movement, we make way for someone more powerful than us to impact our world. This is the final episode in our Advent series, where we'll take a different approach to finding the joy of every longing heart. Let's go. Welcome to the Growing People Podcast. I'm your host, Jared. Growing people sow seeds we may never harvest, but our faith, when done through Christ, is never in vain. And to help us, and for the final time in this Advent series, Pastor Mark, welcome. Jared, good to see you. Final time in the Advent series, but hopefully not the final time for the Growing People Podcast. I hope you'll have me back. We'll, we'll see how the reviews are when they when they come in and we'll decide. Please there. listen, share, <laughs> uh, let people know about this podcast. I want to be back. For our past episodes, we recorded them after the sermon, kind of looking back. But really for this one, because the, the sermon is on Christmas Eve and the following day is Christmas, we sit here December 23rd looking forward to, to your sermon tomorrow. So it's a it's a little bit different in that we're 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 looking forward to and we're excited about the the Christmas story and all the things that we're going to hear here tomorrow while also trying to give greater context to what that sermon's going to be. Yeah, this is actually really helpful for me. It'll it'll be a little trial run for tomorrow. So appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk through it. Also, by the way, I'm looking forward to Sunday. We've chosen to do an Advent morning worship service at 1030. And then we're going to do a Christmas Eve candlelight service at 4 and 6 p.m. So this is one of those years where Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. Last year, Christmas Day fell on a Sunday. Anyway, these are the two years back to back where church leaders have to decide what they're going to do with that. So that's what we decided to do with it. Um, But there are lots of churches doing lots of different variations of that. Tomorrow at Central Church is going to be a lot of fun. While obviously it's so easy to want to spend the the Christmas Eve day and evening all the way through with with family, and of course that's a that's a good thing. What an awesome opportunity, especially to wrap wrap up this excitement around Advent that's leading up to this day to 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 spend it here with the with the people of God in the presence of God with family. Absolutely. Yeah. It, talk about making a memory. There are, there are families who are going to be here literally all day. Um, they're going to be here helping with the 1030 service, and then they've already volunteered for the 4 and the 6 p.m. So, yeah, it's going to be a busy day. It's going to be a good day. Yeah. Funny enough how what we're talking about through this sermon tomorrow is John the Baptist, when really you'd think Advent season, I'm talking about Jesus, but we're talking about John and how his life is drenched, cloaked, and and made the foundation of preparing the way for Jesus, which is kind of a a different approach, a different look to, to this Advent series. But really, you can't talk about John the Baptist without giving a little bit of backstory into his dad, Zechariah. Yeah, the backstory here is so important. We want to rush off to Luke chapter two, where, uh, you know, Linus from Charlie Brown reads the Christmas story for us. 
Like we want that, but Luke is so intentional to record all of this prequel stuff in, in Luke chapter one. So, so here we have Zechariah who at the beginning of the book is chosen by lot to go into uh, the, the whole, the temple to perform this act of worship. The angel encounters him and says, you're going to have a son. And he just sort of is, is in disbelief. And because of his disbelief, he's silent. And for, for this entire time that Elizabeth is pregnant. Well, and almost rightfully so he, like Elizabeth is well along in years and they've spent many of those years, probably praying for this very child. Mm -hmm. And so you, you've got to think there's not much hope left in the tank. You've, you've kind of moved on. Right. Well, and I've made this point in the last podcast, but Luke, the physician in writing this account is making us aware of so many biological realities and Zechariah knows that Elizabeth is not going to get pregnant anytime soon. And so, you know, he has reason to, to disbelieve. But I think that the silence of Zechariah is God's way of saying, what I am doing now is beyond anything you've seen. It's beyond anything you can imagine. And so this is just the first of many things in which I'm going to break in and, and do things to save the world that you have never experienced before. And skipping ahead a bit, he was silenced for the entire nine months that that Elizabeth was pregnant. Zechariah, silent, had to find ways to communicate with those around him. So he would carry around a, a, a tablet or a parchment or something and he, he's writing down. And so when it came time to name this baby, they turned to Zechariah and say, what should we name him? Everyone expecting some sort of family name, Zechariah Jr., mm-hmm. which, you know, of course, doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> so he goes with the name that the angel gave him. And it was this confirmation of the angel's promise that then freed up his mouth mm-hmm. and he could speak again in, in that moment. Yeah. That act of obedience uh, released his speech and now he's able to, to talk again. So, so there's a lesson there. I don't know that that's where we're going to park tomorrow, <laughs> but that act of obedience, God honored. But where we will park, though, is so once his tongue is freed and he's able to speak, he, he bursts into song. That's the first thing he does. Right. Is so. He chooses to praise the Lord in that moment, referencing Exodus 34, 6 and 7 is where God is revealing God's character to Moses and is the most quoted set of verses in all of the old Testament. Mm-hmm. And so you have Zechariah, who's this lifelong priest. And of course would be well studied. This is what he's choosing. He's choosing to praise God with talking mm-hmm. about God's mercy, God's loving loyalty. Some would say loving kindness. The translated word is, is Hesed, mm-hmm. which there is no other word in any other language to define Hesed. So it's really, really difficult. The way that that I've most liked defining it is thinking of an elderly couple that has been together, married their entire lives. And you have one person that for one way or another is incapacitated to the point that they are entirely reliant on that other person. The other person continues to care for them and love them and give everything to that person, knowing they'll never get anything back. Mm-hmm. That's Hesed. That yeah. God pours into us this love that doesn't require any reciprocity. 
Right. That's Hesed. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And that's what Zechariah is praising God as, as giving, but then turns his voice to John speaking to newly born John. And here is beautiful because he's using the same language that the angel said to Zechariah at the altar where the encounter happened saying that, John, you will go before the Lord. You will prepare the way for Yahweh. You will prepare the road. And Yahweh or Kyrios, depending on the translation you're looking at, will guide our feet in the shadow of death, which is then referencing Psalm 23, Mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. And you get to the end of the song, which is uh, what I'm going to title the sermon, uh, Prepare for Peace. The, The last part of the song is, is this vision that that john is preparing the way for one who will bring peace and so since you've already mentioned hesed an equally prominent concept in the old testament is shalom Mm -hmm. peace and so you have these really these two foundational ideas of the old testament coming together in zechariah's song hesed the covenant faithfulness of the lord and this one that is going to prepare the way for Jesus is going to contribute to, you know, peace and wholeness and shalom finally being realized in the world. So keep in mind, peace refers to a wholeness of relationships. The, our relationship is whole between us and God, between each other, with ourselves and our community. So imagine just the totality of that idea that Jesus is going to break in and do something that would restore all of those relationships because of sin. All of those relationships are broken. Our relationship with God is broken. Our relationship with each other is broken. Um, If you need evidence of this, turn on the news. (laughs) Our relationship with our community uh, is broken. People in our community suffer injustices. Uh, Some people have it easier than others. Uh, So there's some kind of, break in wholeness there. And and then look at mental health, look at the relationship we have with ourselves and understanding who we are and our identities. And shalom is this idea that what God is doing is restoring all of that. And so John the Baptist, instead of preparing for war, he's preparing for peace. He's he's going ahead and, and preparing for Uh, preparing the hearts of the people to receive this one who's going to restore all of those things. John, before he was even born, is said to have been filled with with the Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I said this last week, I've said this before, but this is a very rare thing pre-Pentecost, pre-veil being torn, that someone would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And many times it was for just a brief moment for one thing, one reason. Mm-hmm. The judges are a good example yep. of that. The spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The spirit of the Lord came upon Saul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For a short period of time. But spirit of the Lord came upon John, and it seemed like that spirit then defined John's life. Mm-hmm. John's entire life was preparing to prepare. Mm. In fact, in Isaiah 40, verse 3, says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. That almost was his calling song. 
Mm-hmm. He lived in the wilderness, clothed himself in camel hair, ate mm-hmm. honey and locusts. I mean, mm-hmm. there is no more living in the wilderness than than what John did. Right. But we see later that he very much was step for step right ahead of Jesus preparing for the coming of Jesus. Yeah. And let's pause here and think about what you have to do to prepare the way for someone. When you blaze a new trail, if you're going through the woods or someplace that's never been explored before, it's a lot of work. Talk about the ax at the root of the tree. If you're, if you're preparing the way for someone, you're clearing out the land, you're removing brush, you're removing trees. And so this work of prepare for peace, prepare for the shalom that Jesus is going to bring. It didn't always look like shalom. Uh, It looked like a lot of uprooting. It looked like Mm -hmm. a lot of, I don't want to say violent, but it, it definitely had a very direct, a very, it just, it just was a lot of, I mean, the message that he delivers is, is very challenging. And, and and it is in keeping with like the role of uh, the the prophets in the Old Testament. You know, when when uh, Jeremiah was commissioned, the Lord said, "You're going to uproot and and tear down." And so, I mean, the second part of that commission is you're going to you're going to build and plant, but first of all, you're going to uproot and tear mm-hmm. down. So John, I feel like did a lot of uprooting and tearing down, preparing the way for Jesus. I mean, absolutely, he would. If you read in there, he very much rebuked Jewish leaders, called them vipers. Right. Uh, the the axe is at the root. Called out Herod for sexual immorality, which ultimately is sort of what led him to, you know, being executed. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Spoke, you know, commonly we talk about speaking truth to power. Right. Yeah. You know, John is the prototype for this. And even in all that, he says, there's one that's coming that is greater than me that i'm not fit to buckle his sandals Mm -hmm. there there, there's one coming and he sets the stage for almost what seems like obviously we know now that he's preparing the way for jesus but how he describes this person that is greater that he is going before almost seems kind of like that 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 aggressive zealot level yeah. holding a sword messiah saying that while I baptize with water he baptizes with fire his winnowing fork is in his hand and he's going to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire yeah so if you think if you think John the Baptist is the warm up act then imagine all the things John is saying being taken to the next level with Jesus and then we get the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek. Yeah. Blessed yeah. are the poor in spirit. Yeah. And so it's interesting that there, there definitely is a contrast in those messages. Uh, now, Jesus didn't mince words with the religious leaders and the Pharisees. I mean, he had some things to say like whitewashed tomb and he overturned the tables of the money changers, all of which represent religious establishment that is passing away, that is now being fulfilled by my life, death, and resurrection. But in terms of style and a lot of ways substance, like John the Baptist and Jesus went about this very differently. I have to think that at least at some level, John and Jesus knew each other. We read last week how Mary coming close to 
Elizabeth, Elizabeth's baby, John, jumps for joy in Jesus' presence. Those two are cousins. So there, there's some familial level there. So you have to think that that growing up, there was has to be some encountering yeah. at, at some point throughout their lives. And By the way, you just you know mentioned the fact that they were cousins. That's a pretty much known fact for anyone that's read the stories. And I was uh, I just got to stop and tell the story real quick. I was discipling this this person who had just come to faith and we were with we were in a small group of other people who were you know learning more about the Bible and we were working through a Bible study. And I just said that. So matter of factly, like, oh, you know, Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. And this this new believer just was like, I told you, he looked at the other guy and he's like, I told you, this guy is smart. He knows everything about the Bible. <laughs> and it just blew his mind that I knew that Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. But I just remember thinking how funny it was that, you know, I was now the Bible answer man just because I knew that. So you have what is seen as this aggressive-ish John preparing the way in in his words for this kind of fire and, and brimstone one that is greater than he and then jesus shows up and it 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 all led to the the point that john baptizes jesus which john's saying i'm not good enough you mm-hmm. you are the one that is that's mm-hmm. greater but jesus says you you got to do it and in right. fact I, I like to think there's a little bit of, of back and forth there again they yeah. they knew each other a little bit of argument jesus finally saying that we must do this to fulfill all righteousness. This has to happen. Mm -hmm. And so maybe John in the moment is, as he's preparing to baptize, Jesus is expecting, all right, I'm going to lift him up. And then now he's this fire and brimstone Messiah coming out of the Mm -hmm. water. We see the opposite picture. We see the, the heavens rip open and what is depicted as a dove comes down. Representing shalom. Hmm. Representing peace. So Matthew then in- includes a story of like John even having second doubts later on in the ministry where John sends kind of envoys to Jesus to say, gut check time. Are you, are you the Messiah? Are you the one to come or should we expect another? And, and that moment is often overlooked, but you know, in this kind of discussion with John the Baptist and his role in preparing the way for Jesus, that's so helpful, I think to understand that all of this stuff happens in John's life and you know, he's commissioned to prepare the way and he does that faithfully. But even John, the Baptist has doubts. Even John, the Baptist has this moment where he's like, I need to check in with Jesus like one more time because I'm not sure if he's the one. And, and I think it is because like they were so different in style and mm-hmm. substance there may have been something in John that was expecting one thing. And even John had unrealized expectations of who Jesus was going to be and what Jesus was going to do. And if John can have unrealized expectations, then we too have to continually check ourselves Mm -hmm. to say like, are we, are we putting expectations of who Jesus should be and what he should do? Are we putting our expectations on him or are we submitting his expectations of us? And that's the way it should be that, that we 
uh, we submit who we are, our expectation, we submit that to the Lordship of Christ, not the other way around. The, the goal of our salvation is that we would become more like Jesus, not that Jesus would become more like us. Are we defining Jesus or is Jesus defining us? Exactly. Yeah. So then how is it that if you can think of some practical ways, some everyday ways, how is it that we need to adjust our expectations of Jesus to include shalom, to include peace, where we might not have expected mm-hmm. it before? Mm-hmm. I think you have to recognize that this way to peace or this way to shalom is challenging. It it requires a, a, a submission on our part. It requires um, careful listening. It does require, like John the Baptist was on the right track there in Luke chapter three, where he says, you know, where, where, where the people say, well, what should we do? And he says, if you have two cloaks, give to the one who has none. If you're, you know, you give to the poor and, you know, make these investments in, you know, people who have suffered injustices. So in, in, in this kind of idea of preparing for peace, like what it means to prepare for peace is to, to, to intentionally look at, okay, what are the things in our world that are wrong and how has God uniquely equipped us to, to, to write those things that are wrong? Those are the things that Jesus would be about. I think that takes a level of intentionality to say, Lord, open my eyes to see what you see, to know what you know, to feel what you feel. It takes a level of intentionality that that isn't easy. It's not default, but it takes real work. It, it really does. And I was having a conversation with someone from Central not too long ago. They were talking about another sermon that I had preached. And this was their takeaway from that sermon. And they said, you know, I walked away from that message and I realized that I needed to do a better job of walking in the shoes of other people who are not like me. And they said, I I ultimately realized that if I will be intentional to walk in the shoes of people who are not like me, I will have a deeper understanding Mm -hmm. of where they're at, what their story is, what God's doing in their life, you know? And I thought that's so, that's such a good takeaway from who God is calling us to be. I mean, to prepare for peace, to prepare for shalom, we really need to walk in the shoes of other people, to understand their experience, to get in close proximity to people who aren't like us so that we can understand their story. It takes work. Yeah. Talk. I mean, again, back to like preparing the way you got to clear the field. You got to topple the trees. You got to make the path. It's, it's not a well-worn path. Preparing for peace means you're going to places you've never been before. It's so easy to look at someone else who is on a different path or their their life is pointed a different direction than you and to say that person is wrong or that person isn't doing the right thing here or you know saying no to that person because it doesn't doesn't affect me in fact you you see all the time in politics where a politician will vote one way for the entirety of that politician's life until an issue impacts that person directly mm-hmm. and then they vote differently when you can they got in close proximity yes to someone else's story their own like all of a sudden this issue is really hitting home so then is it our responsibility as jesus followers insert ourselves directly into someone else's situation 
directly into someone's life to then understand where that person is at. So that way we can walk with them or better yet prepare their way. Yeah. And and that is the ultimate message of Advent, which crescendos with Christmas. And, and that's the incarnation. Talk about entering into someone else's shoes. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. So that is the model we are called to follow is to just as Jesus became flesh and walked in our shoes as, as Christ followers, we're called to do the same, to look around our community, to see where the hurts and the needs are. Where is Shalom? Where has Shalom been broken? And where Shalom has been broken, the first step for the people of God is always to understand the story and to walk in the shoes of those that have suffered. I think Zechariah said it best in Luke 1, 76 and 79. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to shine on those living in darkness. Wow. Mark, thank you again. I'm not even going to wait on the reviews. I will have you back on this podcast. Yes. All right. I've earned my way back. Awesome. Merry Merry Christmas, friend. Merry Christmas. See you tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. And thank you for joining us in today's podcast. Remember, this was the final episode of our Advent series. If you're in search of joy, go back and listen and see what God has to say. Here at Central, we are growing people who are growing people. We believe strongly in your ability to grow. So please submit your questions about your journey with Christ to centralchurchonline.com slash podcast. From all of us at Central, We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. See you next time.